0: Hello, world. It's your boy, Dr. Gerald A. Williams, Jr., and welcoming you again to the Saul Survivor Nation. Listen, we're continuing our discussion on this issue of leading from the second chair or surviving or thriving in the second chair. In the first installment of, of our podcast, uh, we kind of talked about um, the reality that just because someone is sitting in the first chair, the pastor or the president or whoever at the top of the organization, that we asked to scratch our head and be like, how did y'all get there? And it's kind of what we talked about and went through scripture and what we dealt with was that just because someone is sitting at the top of the organization doesn't necessarily mean that they're God's first choice. Doesn't necessarily mean that um, they was the best person for the job. um as often uh, when we look in dealing with the um challenges between Saul and David, as we're using um the relationship between Saul and David as the um, basis of our discussions, is that Saul wasn't God's first choice, it wasn't even God's choice. Matter of fact, God didn't even want Saul to be king. Um, he became king simply because the people was frustrated with the previous leadership. And oftentimes when we're looking for people to take over our organizations, we just don't want them to be like the last guy, I gal. And so unfortunately, some people are sitting at the top of organization um, as as pastors or bishops or again, this is both for a church or your secular arena. And have to understand this, Accept the reality is that they really were supposed to be there in the first place. But nevertheless, that's our reality that's what the situation is. Um, and we have to grapple with some real difficult conversation. And so we said last time that we're going to deal with six signs that God has left your leader uh, because when as second chair leaders we are called to the work. Again, uh, oftentimes we put the person over the work, but like we said in our last um, ep- installment, that it's the work that's important, that God finds a man or a woman to do the work and we're committed to the work and so um, we as second your leaders ought not get so um, caught up in the frailties and downfalls of our second leaders that it causes us to start to hate what the work is. But even in doing that, um, we're going to pause in this installment um, and start the conversation of the six signs that God has left your leader. Because as a second your leader, we have to really ponder, is our pastors, or our leaders, are they just making mistakes? Are they just um, not seeing the big picture? Or is it that God is no longer with them? And has God ever been with them? And so we're going to unveil these scriptures And I'm not going to unveil all six in this installment. But I am going to deal um, with um, one of the signs that God has um, left your leader. But before we go into it, I'm going to go ahead and give you a summary and an overview of what those six things are, um, six signs are. And the first one is has lost their patience. The second one is they've become rebellious. The third one is they have lost the ability to repent. The fourth one is, is that they blame the people. The fifth one is, is they're overly concerned with what people think. And the sixth one is um, they use you to do their dirty work. And so those are six signs um, that um, God is no longer with your leader. And so we're going to deal with the first one um, in this particular installation. And so we have observed how an individual can become a senior leader and not be God's first choice. We always have to remember that when someone messes up or makes a mistake, that they may be making a mistake, not just out of human error, but just because they're not even even following God because God is no longer guiding them anymore. Um, and so even though a leader or a person can do 99 things right, they're usually remembered for the one thing that they did wrong. And so, although Saul was not God's first choice, he did a lot of great work and won a lot of battles for Israel furthermore even though Saul was not God's first choice he gave Saul a chance to exceed expectation I do have some sympathy for Saul um, I do not even think that um, Samuel told him that he was not God's number one draft pick because like we said before you know uh, Saul came to the leadership position because the people that was choosing a new leader were just mad at the last guys um, and so again I do have sympathy um, I would hope that if I was Saul um, that Samuel would have given. Me some enlightenment of the fact that at least uh, uh told me that hey, I just want you to know, um, you know, you weren't not God's pick, but you was our pick, you know. And so sometimes our first chair leaders are in situations of no fault of their own. Again, like we discovered in the last um installment, Saul wasn't looking to be king. Um, the people drafted him, and God just said, Okay, but he was not God's first choice. So when you put aside the eschatological truth that Jesus had to be the son of David to fulfill scripture, and so. So there had to be Saul and then there had to be David. Um, maybe his actions would have been different if he would have known. Maybe he would have been humbled if he would have just known that he was not the number one draft pick. You know what I mean? So the truth is that some of our leaders are bad or in error because they may not be totally aware of the situation that they're in. Ultimately, we learn in 1 Samuel 13 and 14 that because Saul disobeyed God's command, He identified a new leader. Take note that when you read that, that although God identified a new leader, Saul was not immediately removed. See, the reason you may be feeling tension between you and your senior leader is perhaps God is no longer with him or her. And so you become um, between the people and the pulpit. You know, you're in the pew and people are getting frustrated. And what happens when people even get frustrated with the pastors, they come to you. And so when you're in that situation, you have to guard yourself and really have wisdom and navigating that because you never want to turn the people against your senior leader and you never want the senior leader to feel insecure um, about the situation that they're in. And so, but we have to recognize that there may be a tension in that because again, what we're dealing with in this one, they have to understand that God may no longer be with him or her. And we don't like talking about that or accepting the fact that God does not remove him, that God removes his hand from senior leaders. I believe that many senior leaders are still in positions who are leading without God's support. What happens is we are caught up with all the past victories of our first-year leaders, you know, increased membership, new buildings, great preaching, etc. Uh, that even after the departure of God was pronounced to Saul, Saul still experienced success in battles. We must be careful to not always correlate success in ministry with God's support of our leader. So that may be where the tension is. You're there praying to God to lead you, and God is like, I've dipped. I've left this whole situation Because Saul is not doing what um, he's not even being obedient to the word, even though he was in his church. And so that's where our stress and our tension comes from. And so we have to accept my premise to some point that God sends senior leaders to do a work. And we must be able to identify when that work is no longer theirs to do. This is why we must take note. Um, to determine if our senior leaders are following God or simply repeating the last thing that God told them to do before he left. Um, and so like I said there are six um, traits that God has left the leader but we're just going to deal with the first one and it is simply this has he or she lost patience? The first sign of that God is no longer with our your senior leader is a sudden lack of patience and to get a sense of that I want you to go back when you finish with the podcast um, and, and read 1 Samuel 13, 8 8- through. 13. First time 13, 8 through 13. Which really, um, shows the error of Saul as king and his failure to follow the priest's instructions. And so basically what happens in this is Saul was instructed by Samuel to wait seven days. Because according to the historians and theologians, Saul, um, did not wait those seven days, which was the set time that Samuel had appointed. But not to that end of the seven day, um, he didn't wait. So he told him to wait the seven days and he waited the seven days, but he didn't wait until the very last minute or second and so when you sometimes as senior leaders we get they we I put we because I'm a senior leader you know I, I'm a, but I'm also a second chair leader in other instances sometimes we can get a little a little bit um nervous because we're walking by faith but is it, we have to determine whether it's nervousness is just a total lack of patience and so we have to make sure that we're watching our leaders as they do the work to see are they just lacking patience now are they getting nervous now are they losing faith because why this because he lacked patience um um, to wait the full seven days because see Samuel didn't come back until the last minute. Um, during the set time he told Saul, and because of a lack of patience on Saul's part, it caused him to perform a duty he was not authorized to perform. He he gave sacrifices, and although he's the king, there are still some things that kings should not do. There I don't, doesn't matter who the pastor is, doesn't matter who the boss is. There are still some things that they are not allowed to do and that they shouldn't do because every organization has own rules and regulations. And just because they're the head man or woman, that still doesn't give them liberty to just do what they want to do. And so watch this. Samuel told Saul to wait for him in Gilgal. And then Samuel will preside over the sacrifices and Israel will be spiritually ready for battle. But uh Saul was the king. He did what Samuel's role was, which was the priest. And he did the sacrifice. He had no business doing that the thing that only a priest should do you find this also in 2nd Chronicles 26 when King Isaiah tried to do the work of the priest and God struck him with the leprosy just because one sits in the first chair does not mean he or she should operate without restrictions from someone or something to ensure we are not putting our ourselves or the ministry in jeopardy second chair leaders ought to discern when the first chair leaders are becoming impatient with the work every church has a way in which it does business and government affairs when our senior leaders start to take upon themselves to do things without consent of the appropriate people, boys, etc. You better watch out. It does not matter if uh, one is a pastor or a bishop or the, the head person. It should not put them above the governmental law or policies of their church or their organization. And if you were to examine 1 Samuel um, 13, and 8, you will find that the reason Saul broke the order given by Samuel was because his followers began to leave. One thing that will push a pastor or a leader um, um, to move outside of God's will is when people start to leave. Many first-chair leaders measure themselves qualitatively instead of quali- qualitatively. I say it again. Many first-chair leaders measure themselves quantitatively instead of qualitatively. And in these cases, church membership becomes the only validation of a first-chair's effectiveness. And so, as we sit in second-chair positions, we have to make sure that we're expanding the organizations, um, looking at our leader, looking at what's going on, and making sure that our leader is not doing things that they ought not to do because they'll be. Become impatient with waiting on the next move or direction from God, and we find this with Saul as we use Saul and David, Saul and David relationship to really examine this dichotomy that exists between second and first chair leaders. And so, although it is hard to accept the fact that our first chair leaders, our pastors, our bishops, or whomever we have entrusted with leadership, it's hard for us to accept that maybe that God has maybe taken the hand off of them, and so we're going to deal with these the next five but we got to make sure that we're looking around at the first one have they lost patience have they set a timetable or a strategic plan to do something and you find that all of a sudden say no we're not gonna do that no more we're gonna do this Or they do they do this you know i was talking to the lord last night and we're gonna do this let's be honest people lie just because they have the title because they have a pastor or a bishop title or you have uh, the title does not mean that we, we are prone first year leaders second year leaders everyone are, is prone to failures in character And so what we want to be make sure that we want to do is to understand that the first sign of God leaving a leader is that they're becoming patient. And we'll move ahead a little bit. Um, Saul wanted to build the temple and David wanted to build the temple um, at some point. And God told him, David, you can't build the temple. You are a man of war. He needed Solomon to build a temple because Solomon was a man of peace. And so we got to understand that even though God may have given that first chair leader the vision, it's not necessarily for that first chair leader to finish the vision. And that can be frustrating sometimes when you're dealing with first chair leader because they feel if God gave it to them, it's their responsibility to see it start to end. And that's not always the case. One man plants, another man waters and God gets to increase. Well, that's what we want to share. The first step to recognizing whether God has left your leader is has he or she lost patience? Um, Again, some of these tips that we're going to be sharing are coming out of a book that I wrote called Getting Past Your Assault, Surviving in the Second Chair. Um, Please feel free, as you want to get deeper insight, feel free to go and try to buy the book. It's on Amazon, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and those various places. Um, But listen, I hope this has helped you. We're going to continue this conversation. We're going to continue this discussion. And I hope that you'll meet us again next installment um, to be a part of the salt Survivor Nation. So wherever you are, whether it's good morning, good afternoon, good evening, or good night, I hope God finds you and gives you peace. God bless.